Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Good. How can I help you? I just wanted to call and say thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, this is John Edward calling. So humbled that you invited me on your show. Thank you so much and good luck. Thank you. You you're the best. All because right. that's, you are All so right. right. You're right on the teeth. You have not said nothing that I don't know anything about. Your colors are fantastic. That's wonderful. You know, I feel a lot more comfortable. I felt good tuning in. Uh, I just got good energy when the reminder of the show came across my profile. And uh, mm-hmm. the fellow hosting it has had really great guests and good energy. And, you know, it uh, it, it feels really good. Uh, may everybody's heart's desires uh, be divinely blessed. Good. Good. Thank you. I want to thank you so much for giving me a chance to be on your show. I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you so much, Tori, for joining me. Oh, it was a pleasure. We could have done two hours, Michael, you know? <laughs> One more. Okay. Please, want to be me. 
It is you, dear, 727. You listen to Be the Light Now Radio, and I'm your, your host, Reverend Michael. Hope everyone is having a wonderful day, and hopefully everyone up in Canada, all the listeners up there, are having a wonderful Thanksgiving. And I know I've got audio issues, and um, I'm doing the best that I can to correct those, but ain't much that I can do about them. We just have to go along with the flow. So we have ourselves a wonderful guest on tonight. Go ahead and bring her on here. She's an author, coach, and of Art of Being Fully Alive. Help me welcome Micaiah Hart. Hello, dear. Hello, Michael. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure having you here. Good, good. Yes. So um, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Well, I um, uh, grew up in Scotland and moved to California in the um, the, big, the early 1980s and lived in the boonies of Northern California for a lot of years and um, then had some really remarkable experiences, um, spiritual experiences, I guess you would call them, although I do tend to be a little leery of the word spiritual simply because I believe we are all spiritual beings um, practicing being human, being in physical form rather than the other way around. A lot of spiritual people are trying to leave the physical form behind <laughs> and I'm... Uh, I believe the physical form is very important and that it's a delight to be here in a physical form. Um, in any case, I so when I had these various spiritual experiences, which I can talk more about later if you would like, um, I, um, I spent a, a quite a number of... Well, I had an epiphany and I sold my place and went traveling and I spent really a number of years mostly on my own um, having various adventures in very... Um, remote situations like um, places like Alaska and Brazil and Australia, and um, I uh, I write books and uh, I teach people the art of being fully alive because I feel like there's an enormous number of people who are just trying to get by in the world and don't really aren't really fully present here for the amazing experience of being here on this planet. So um, I think it's very valuable to um, help people to learn to be really fully present and fully aware of what I call the vastness of being, you know, an, an awareness of um, existence um, outside and beyond this physical body that we have. And uh, what do you mean by that they're not able to grasp that? Um, how is somebody um, not aware of it? Well, I think an enormous number of people are operating out of what I call the um, a, a survival mode in that they really are just trying to get by. They see the world as a dangerous place and they see their um, place in it as um, a little vulnerable. They experience themselves as being only the body, if you like, and therefore they feel very vulnerable. And they're very, uh, an enormous number of people are, spend a great deal of energy trying to avoid dying. Um, instead of 
enjoying being alive in this moment in time. So I think there's a tremendous number of people who don't really see anything more than our physical existence. And to me that's very sad because I experience, um, uh, you know, I experience life as something much, much more than just this physical existence. Even though I do also believe that it's, um, you know, it's a wonderful thing to be in a body. Um, I, I'm certainly not afraid of dying because I know that's not the end of life. You know what I mean? There's much more to um, to life than just this life and death that so many people um, experience in this body. You know. Yeah, yeah even so many people I've uh, come to realize that uh, even the ones who realize that life exists and continues, they're still afraid of um, physical death. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and what, that's very understandable because, you know, the body does die. But the reality is that um, who we truly are is um, it's eternal. Um, it never ends. It exists beyond space and time and... Um, and it's from that place that we orchestrate the experience of this life here on this planet, um, and you know, decide what you know what kind of um, uh, family do we want to be born into? What kind of experience do we want to have this time around? And um, you know, decide what our life's purpose will be, and what kind of body and what kind of character self we want to enjoy this time around. And it's all about, it's a playground. It's a, it's a playground for experimenting with the experience and being in physical form. And it's not that there's anyone telling us how we should do it. We're just playing around with it. And uh, yeah, I think an enormous number of people take life very, very seriously. And, um, you know, it, it's meant to be fun. It's, it's, we're meant to be enjoying it. That's perhaps the, the key bottom line purpose of life on earth is to to be enjoy to enjoy it and yeah and i have to i have to agree with that that's the uh, the hard part for so many people yes yes there's tremendous um pressure on us to be good people and to do the right thing and there actually isn't anyone but ourselves all that we are to tell us you know, what it means to be a good person or to do the right thing. You know, those, those concepts of good and bad and right and wrong, they exist within duality, but there's so much to experience beyond duality where, um, you know, the concepts of this or that are, are it's not either or, it's everything. And it's impossible for us to really grasp that, but we can learn well, I myself have had an experience of love that was probably the most intense experience I've ever had, the most amazing experience I've ever had, where I was driving across the mountains to Seattle, actually, and um, suddenly everything became incredibly beautiful, and everything was kind of glowing with the golden light, and I stopped the car and pulled over and got out and just looked around in amazement. Um, and what I was really experiencing at that point was a peace that was beyond any concept of duality. It, it wasn't any kind of peace compared to war. Um, 
it was just this incredible loving beauty, peace, joy. You know, we don't even have words to describe it, but it was it was all encompassing. And I'll never forget that sensation of knowing that all is well, that everything is love. And and in that moment or I you know, I guess it might have lasted twenty minutes or so and but in those minutes I knew that I knew the meaning of the words all is well and um I I understood something I had never grasped before. And what really came out of me for that is is understanding that in order to change the world for the better, the most useful thing that I can do is to be in that place of peace. And that doing or having, they might arise out of that being in peace, but they in themselves were not, could never be as powerful as being in that place of peace. It, it was really a totally amazing experience, and it really changed my life. Um, after that, I decided to um, um, that I, that's when I decided to sell my property and go traveling because I there was nothing so important to me as being in that place of peace, and I wanted to cultivate that in every way that I could. And you know, like most of us, I had set up my life to um, you know being busy all the time and doing things all the time, and and I. I wanted to remove any source of stress out of my life, and and um, I've succeeded fairly well in doing that. And now I feel that I really, a great deal of the time, I am able to be in that place of peace, and it's infectious. Other people feel it when they're around me, and that's delightful. You know, that's what I want to teach. And how did do you go about? Um you know, getting to this point, um, you know, did you have teachers? Did you learn about it on your own? Well, um, I had um, in my, um, in in the 90s, when I was sort of a, you might call it a midlife crisis for me in my 40s and 50s, I, and my life was going very well on the surface, but um, I really felt like there was still something I knew, let me I shouldn't I knew that on some level something important was missing. And I started, you know, really examining that and trying to see what it was and what I came up with was questions like who or what am I? Um who put me here on this planet and, and what for? And um I asked I asked various teachers. Um I studied with um a few different people like Angelis Arian and Brooke Medicine Eagle and um I asked all kinds of people. I studied Buddhism. Um I asked my Buddhist teachers and nothing really made sense to me. And then I met a woman called Diana John who um what she does is actually not quite channeling, but it looks like channeling. She channels a group of beings called Armag, and they really helped me. It wasn't so much they gave me the answers to the questions, but they they would ask me questions that helped me to expand my understanding. And then at one point, um, a couple of years into my sort of existential angst, um, they suggested to me that if I wanted to know who I am, that I should try looking in the mirror and looking not 
uh, not looking at Mikhail looking back at me, but just looking to see who was looking back at me. So I did that, and um, that was another of those really extraordinary experiences where an onlooker would not have seen anything happen, but it was life-changing for me. Because what I saw in the mirror was, um, I mean, it was my own face, but it was, and I can't tell you how I knew this, it was just that knowing that here was an incredible being that an eternal, all-knowing being who existed beyond time and space and was all-powerful. And what actually what actually happened is that I felt quite alarmed. I actually jumped back in shock. And that um, what that brings to mind is, um, I don't know if you know that saying, um, um, it's a quote from, um, oh, what is her name? She wrote the book, A Return to Love. And the saying is along the lines of, um, it is not our smallness that frightens us. It is our magnificence. And in that moment when I looked in the mirror, it was my magnificence or it was the magnificence of the being that I saw in the mirror, whom I have to assume was an aspect of me, was, you know, all that I am, if you like. It was the magnificence of that that frightened me. It and, and there are lots of reasons why it frightened me, but you know, I, in the end, I would say the most, um, uh, the real reason was that when you acknowledge that you are magnificent, that you are a shining being of spirit, um, then you have to start taking responsibility for your life. You can no longer blame other people when things go wrong. You have to really acknowledge that yes. I am powerful enough to to have chosen this. I did choose this. And if I want to, I can choose something else. So you really have to um you have to start being willing to step into a place of power and and admit that you are responsible for your life. And that is, you know, that's not that's not a simple thing. It's a huge thing, and it's a huge thing, and it's an incredibly empowering thing. It's it, when you really do acknowledge that you are choosing what happens to you. Um, it's tremendously empowering because you you can change it, and you know that you can. I mean, for all of us, you know, in human form, we need to learn how to work with that the concept of choice and how to develop the art of manifestation. It's not something that we can do that comes automatically, although we do automatically manifest bodies and so on. But um, we really need to learn how to, um, how to utilize the art of choice in a very conscious and deliberate way. Okay. And how do you go about um, helping people to go ahead and, um, and understand what's going on well, I um, one of my main tools is what I call a shamanic journey, which um, the you know when I use that word shamanic, it's it's a little tricky to define it because really I'm using it because there isn't another word that we have that really explains uh, that really illustrates what I'm talking about. Um, the shamanic journey originally um, derives from um, 
shamanic cultures around the world, and there were many indigenous cultures that used the shamanic journey. Um, so what actually happens is that I, well, first I'll do an, an invocation, which is simply to call in energies from the different directions that are willing to be present to assist us. And I always make the statement to assist us in the highest good of all. Um, just because that kind of states the, um, you know, what we really want. We're all, our, I and the people who work with me are all in the end choosing to work towards the highest good of all. Um, and then I usually do a short guided visualization to take people to a place where they meet with their guides, however they see their guides, you know, and different people. Um, you know, they may see meet with a power animal, they meet or some kind of totem, or they may actually meet with some kind of being who is a guide for them. And then I sound the drum um, on a very fast beat for 20 minutes. And during that time, um, the journeyers are, they go with their guides, and whatever they experience is what they experience. Um, for some people, it isn't actually so much a journey. Sometimes it's more like a physical sensation of peace and of energy moving through them freely. Um, and I can talk more about energy flows in a moment or two. But um, it's the reason why I like, the I enjoy the shamanic journey so much is that it's not just me who's guiding it. You know, it, each individual um, and the energies who work with her, whether she or he sees them as, you know, other beings or or as a part of all that we are, you know, however you see them, um, you're in those other realms of experience um, doing your own thing, and I'm not telling you what to do. So it's very self-empowering for the individual. And it really enables people to have an experience in other realms of existence. And, you know, I believe, and it's certainly been my experience, that this planet is just one realm of many different existences, many different realms, many different arenas of being. You know, I, I don't know how, what kind of words we can really use to describe them. But um, and maybe, perhaps they might be considered parallel worlds, um, other dimensions, you know, I don't know. But I do know that there are many of those kinds of experiences out there. And when we start learning how to access them, um, it's, it, you know, we know we're not alone in the world. We know that there's um, an enormous amount of support and help for us from those other realms and that we can call upon that whenever we need it. And it's present for us at all times. We simply need to learn how to access it. And the shamanic journey is one way that I that I use to do that. And you know, in some ways, the shamanic journey is it's like um, a kind of a visualization. It's like a um, uh, a meditation. It's like a nighttime dream. Um, you know, there are, so what I'm saying here is there are many ways for us to access a sense of what I call the vastness of being because I do experience it as vast, far beyond um, any measurable quantity that we think about here on Earth. It's far, far greater than our 
physical existence. So how long is the, uh, I know everyone's is going to be different, but what's usually about the average of uh, working with somebody to help them? Um, you know, it's really, what, what, what I happen when, I, when I'm actually coaching an individual, I'll take them through a, a shamanic journey or two or three or four, perhaps a guided visualization, um, and that might take, you know, an hour or two each time. Um, but a lot of the work we can do, we can do on the phone and by email, and I'm very casual about that. You know, it's um, if somebody, if I'm working with somebody, I'll let them be for for months even, and and they'll check in with me when they need help with a particular, um, you know, a particular problem they're having in their lives. Um, and I also have a number of, well, I have, a, for instance. Um, a tape of a shamanic journey that um, people can have and they can use that on their own. And I also have a number of transcribed tapes of um, conversations with the beings called Amog, who I've worked with before, um, who I mentioned before, who I've worked with. Um, And I can send them those tapes and then we can communicate by email. But I really, um, on the whole, when I work with someone, I really leave it up to them to contact me when they want help. And sometimes months will go by when they don't, you know, they don't need they don't need any input from me. But I also wanted to talk and say a little about flows of energy. One thing I really help people help. Well, I find it really helps people is to understand life as a flow of energy. And one of the things that happens um, in this world is that as we're growing up, we're taught to block flows of energy, um, and that's. You know, in order to be be a, a pure adult, we um, we want to um, pretend that the rational brain is in control all, all of the time, and the rational brain is supposed to be able to prevent, um, well, or perhaps only to allow um, appropriate flows of energy. So, for instance, one manifestation of a flow of energy is. Um, emotion, any emotion, and it, when we really appear, appear, want to appear adult, we try to block our shows of emotion. And what we're doing when we do that is we're actually blocking our life force because uh, flows of energy through us, which can manifest in all kinds of ways, they can manifest as sexual, they can manifest as emotion, they can manifest as creativity, um, they can manifest just as the joy of being alive. But that flow of energy, it is, you know, other words for that flow of energy are power, force, life force. And when we try to block flows of energy or to control them, um, we are blocking our life force. And that's the cause of a great deal of disease. So I've written, um, well, my latest book um, is the, The Ultimate Guide, to orgasm for women and that really is about understanding flows of energy because sex is a way in which we can many of us it's it's easy for us to recognize the flow of energy and a build up and a release but in truth that is we can we can learn to work with flows of energy and play with flows of energy and manifest them in different ways and improve our lives dramatically as a result Yeah, energy work is uh, is amazing uh, when people start learning how to how to go ahead and use it. Yeah. Yes. 
it's it's very exciting when you start really beginning to learn that and a lot of people don't you know they don't have a strong um they, they can't see the energy or they don't have a strong sense of it and so they think they can't work with it but in fact it's um you just have to learn really to listen to your own inner wisdom which is the flow of energy through you and um that is often a matter of um getting rid of old blocked emotions that are blocking us and then we can get in touch with our intuition and you know we have many different words for it but it's um inner wisdom is really my favorite word and that inner wisdom is, is really a sense of energy flowing and we need to learn how to relate to our bodies uh, it, it's you know, our bodies are energy. Everything is energy. Our bodies are energy. We need to relate to our bodies as a source of wisdom, and we need to learn how to. We need to learn to make friends with them and listen to what they need and listen to what they're telling us. And um, it's really a matter of setting the intention and then practicing on a regular basis. And, and certainly, getting, you know, working with somebody who is. Who, who is a specific energy worker can help enormously. I mean, in this day and age, I think there are quite a lot of people who specifically teach about working with energy. The only problem is it's quite often about relating to somebody else's energy, and we need to first learn how to relate to our own and then how to differentiate that from somebody else's. But you work with energy quite a bit, don't you, Michael? So yes. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, and I explained to so many people when, you know, especially when they're um, just starting out and they wanted to know more. And I said, you know, I said, we think of ourselves as solid. And I'll go ahead and I'll clap my hands. And I said, yeah, you know, I said it made a noise. It feels solid and all. I said, but if you go ahead and take a layer of skin and put it under a microscope, I said, you'll actually see the cells moving. Mm-hmm. I said, and we're not really solid. I said, we're we're just you know, a bunch of cells that are vibrating at different um, energy frequencies. Right. I said, and with that energy vibration, I said, it makes us feel solid. Yes. I said, so when you're going ahead and thinking of something because of that, that energy of thought goes ahead and radiates through your body and can go ahead and, you know, radiates into the air and until it goes ahead and brings it in with you. Exactly. And, and when we think something strongly enough, it's... Um, Rather than just thinking about something, when we actually think, think something, it will always manifest, whether in physical form or, or you know, as an emotion or, or a, um, however it manifests. If we think it strongly enough, it it will manifest, and that yeah. is that is the art of manifestation, absolutely. Yeah, because I you know I tell everyone you know like even the oxygen, uh, water, everything is uh, is cells. Yep. Yep. So everything is interconnected. So and once people start to realize that they're like, oh, so I can pretty much you know manifest just about anything. I said, yeah, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else or interfere in their life. I said, then you can go ahead and pretty much manifest what your heart desires. Exactly, exactly. And um, um, you know, for I feel like the way the planet is shifting right now, it's really all about us learning to do that very deliberately and consciously. And um, and what I find, the most common way that I find people are blocked from being able to do that is that they have, there's something in their um, 
in their lives that they are blocking. So it's very often an old emotion, very often a childhood emotion that they've, um, they've blocked their conscious awareness of. Um, and, but because they're blocking that, they're blocking the flow of energy in their bodies. The energy is not flowing freely in their bodies, and that's often why they can't manifest something that they're looking for. And um, and the other thing, of course, is that um, when we when we block something, um, we're blocking everything. I mean, it's it's not quite as simple as that, but in effect, that's what happens. And so, um, and people are a lot of people are in denial, and they they're um, you know, <laughs> especially if they're in the new age um, way of thinking, they really believe in the power of positivity, which is very valid. But then what happens is because they feel um, that they've got to be positive, they are in denial about something that they need to deal with, that they've labeled negative and therefore they're ignoring it. And we need to deal with the negative things in order to get to a place where we can be freely positive. Yeah, that's the hard part for so many people is to realize that. Yeah. Yes, you've got to you've got you've got to acknowledge what is really going on for you before you can move somewhere else. And if there's been, you know, there are very few of us who haven't had some kind of negativity in our life. And if we haven't dealt with that, which is really about allowing ourselves to feel it and letting it move on or giving it just giving it a voice so that it can move on because it always emotions always want to move on, but they have to be expressed in some way to let them move on. And we have to we have to freely acknowledge that um, if we've got something negative, then be open to it, acknowledge it, and give it a voice, and then it will move on. And then you can let the energy move through you freely, and you can choose to be in a more positive zone, so to speak. But yes, uh, yeah, it definitely not, makes a makes a difference when you learn that. Yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, I quite often get asked you know, um, how come I'm not able to do this manifestation thing? And, and I say, you have to look at what what is it in your life that you're not acknowledging? What are you turning your back on? What are you denying? Um, and and those kinds of, that kind of ongoing denial in the long run also causes all kinds of disease and, and stress at the very least, but you know, a good definition of stress would be not allowing your emotions to flow, flow freely, blocking your emotions. And, um, you know, that's um, that can cause serious illness in the long run. Yeah, I explain to people when you don't, uh, when you keep coming up to the same situation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's it, it a blockage there. So it's like driving on ice. And once you go ahead and learn what the you know what the problem is or what the blockage is, and you learn to let go and release it, then you'll all of a sudden you'll be driving on uh, you know um, solid concrete, solid pavement without the ice. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, you're not going to skid off into some unknown zone unexpectedly yep. when you're really yep. clear. <laughs> yeah, you'll be able to go ahead and uh, move forward because you've uh, learned to realize what that blockage is. Yes, I think it's um, 
uh, very important for people to realize that. You know, there's a lot of hype about positive thinking and, and that ignores that reality that um, we need to we need to address areas. We need to address the places where we've been in denial. And, you know, in, in this world, you know, most of us do grow up having some experience of some fear or anxiety or just it's very easy to get stuck in a place of anger because, you know, it's a, well, it's a, it's a really good way of looking at it because when, um, you know, you can look around you and see many things to be angry about. Um, it's the old thing of seeing the glass that's half full or half empty. Do we choose to see the things that make us angry and that we really want to change, or do we choose to see the things that are really beautiful? You know, do we choose to see how many people are really living wonderful, um, deep, meaningful lives, or do we choose to see the many people who are living shallow and um, fear-driven lives? And it's in the end, it's really important for us to be able to find a balance where we can acknowledge, yes, there are things going on in this world that we don't like and that we'd like to change, but it's also a very beautiful world. And there's an enormous amount of love and caring around. And when we acknowledge that, then we can spread it to other people and we can access it ourselves. But we can't, um, we can't do that as long as we're focused on what's making us angry all the time. Yeah, and that's the hard part because we, um, as humans, we get stubborn. Yes, we do. Yes. And uh, we don't want to acknowledge our own um, shortcomings, mm-hmm. and uh, that that helps us, uh, that stops us from growing. Yeah. Yes, none of us are perfect, and none of us are meant to be perfect. We're actually meant to make mistakes. We learn from making mistakes, and and we learn how to make choices by making a few wrong choices. <laughs> Yeah. And that's the only way that we learn is by, you know, like uh when we're growing up, you know, you'd learn by, you know, take the taking your first step. Mhm. And it's like, yeah. all right, you took the wrong, you know, you put your foot down wrong and you fell. And yeah. you kept doing it over and over again until you learned what steps to take. And so it's like anything else in life. You know, you're going to fall and stumble a few times and until all of a sudden, you know, you get it right. Yeah. And then we we'll go right. ahead and move forward with it. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, do you? And let me ask you, Michael. Do you use the word shamanic at all in your work, or is it not a word that you're accustomed to using? Uh, I don't use it a lot of times. Um, I do occasionally, but um, I use more of metaphysic. Yeah, metaphysics. Yeah. So, and yeah. Um, you know, because I, uh, for me, that means. Um, um, Something higher or bigger than the physical reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it feels like we really need to develop more vocabulary to be able to talk about um, these things because we really are limited in our vocabulary. Um, because you know the rational brain and the limits of the rational brain have been all that people have seen for um, you know for centuries actually well especially in the last century when the rational brain has been really glorified and you know i don't mean to put the rational brain down it's a wonderful tool but it's not meant to be in charge and it's not a source of wisdom it's a tool that can take the wisdom that comes to us from you know 
from other realms and through the heart, if you like, um, through our intuition, through our inner wisdom. Um, and the rational brain is the tool that can help us to utilize that wisdom in our daily lives. But it's not a source of wisdom. No, because all of a sudden our, uh, <coughs> I like to call it our reasoning, or our little uh, mind uh, starts playing little tricks on us and starts making us doubt and question, and, which is a good thing at times, but uh, a lot of times it, it blocks us from going on because it creates fear. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It creates fear. And being fear-driven, is um, it's the way a lot of people live, and it's never going to get you anywhere. You have to be willing to do a really a... a, a a complete about turn and learn to live from a place of trust, trusting that all is well, rather than from a place of fear that, you know, there's that and the next and might go wrong. And the ridiculous thing is that the ultimate fear that so many people have is fear of dying. And, you know, we are all actually going to die. <laughs> it is yep. going to happen. So. Yeah, there's nothing we can do about it. We can't stop it. It's, you know, it's not like, you know, I have a fear of going in an elevator. Okay, well, then you just don't go in the elevator. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, you know, there's nothing we can do. We all have to die, and um, you know, and, and I know people have panic attacks and anxiety over it. And it's like, why? There's nothing you can do about it. Right. It's going right. to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. And you know, my belief is that when it we actually allow it to happen, it's a very easy process. It's very easy um, transformation. Um, but we are so terrified of it that we make it, we, we all, you know, we're, we're terrified of it. We think it's going to be really awful. And actually, it doesn't have to be that way at all. No. Uh, I think uh, so many times we're brainwashed by seeing um, on TV and movies in Hollywood uh, when people dying, even uh, those who, you know, I know from years ago, they're kind of changing now. But when people died, you'd see their bodies shaking at all. Ah. And you would see them in the movies of being like a violent death, even someone who had a heart attack or whatever, and their bodies would shake, and they'd be yelling out in pain until they finally died. Yeah. And, um, you know, or somebody, you know, on their deathbed from cancer or something. And, you know, you'd see all this going on, and it's not, a lot of times it's not how the body dies. You just, yeah. you know, you just go peacefully. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was yeah. blessed when my mom passed away, and... um you know, was actually blessed to be there with her and holding her hands. And, you know, and I was expecting to see the body shaking it all. And, and not at all. She just looked at me and squeezed my hands and, um, you know, looked so peaceful, closed her eyes, and took her last breath, and that was it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I am. One of my books is about a woman from Seattle who's a shamanic practitioner and a psychic reader. And she... um she sees energy, and um, she worked uh, in a home for a while, an old people's home where people were dying, and she said that when she would always see something when, the, when someone died, and it was always something really beautiful. Like once I think she saw rainbows dancing, and another time she saw a white bird flying out of the woman's body. Um, she said it was always beautiful. And it really helped her to understand that that dying can be a beautiful thing. You know, it's um, the experience of being spirit, which is what happens when we're dying. It's 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 a beautiful thing. 
Yep. yep. And and you know I I consider it. You know um, anybody can be there when somebody is born. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but to actually be there when someone takes their uh, their last breath, that to me is a real blessing. Yes, that is really an honor. You're right. You're right. And you know, and, and like I said, she, you know, I was with her for 24 hours before she passed, and you know, her eyes had that glossy look, um, you know, that that uh, hazy look to them, the whole bit, and you could tell it's like, okay, she's not here. Yeah. And right at the very end, all of a sudden, that haziness was gone, the glossiness was gone, her sparkle was back in her eyes, and she looked over at me, and it was like, okay, she was there for that one second, and just to let me know, eh, it's going to be okay. Yeah, that's great. You know, she was saying her bye, and it was just so, um, you could just see the glow. Yeah. And the calmness, there was no fear, no nothing. Yeah. And uh, and it's just truly amazing. And and you're right. You know, I've heard some people say, you know, they've seen, um, you know, a sparkle. They've seen, you know, a mist coming up, uh, you know, or, or a glow of light around someone as they've, you know, taken their last breath. So people experience it differently. But um, they always say the same thing, too. A lot of times it's just real peaceful and calm to go for the transition. Right. Right. Yeah. And I... Um, uh, some members of my family were um in the beginning of the century were um, active in the Society for Psychical Research which was active in the United States and in Britain and um uh they made agreements the people who worked in the society made the agreement to come back after their death to visit other members and so this whole long you know this huge amount of research has been done on it but all of the people who died, and you know, there's whole books being written, which are about people channeling from people who've died and so on. I mean, they all say the same thing that it's it's a it's a wonderful experience in reality. And um, one of my friends who does some channeling, you might have had that same experience too, where people quite often um, visit people who feel responsible in some way for killing somebody else, you know, in in a a war or by accident or whatever, quite often hold a lot of guilt about causing that other person's death. And so they'll look for a psychic to go and uh, to, to try and connect with the person who's died to say their story. And the answer always is, from the person who's died, always is, oh, it's fine. <laughs> it's absolutely fine, you know. It's the way it was intended to be, and it's fine. Yeah, I've seen that too. There are a lot of them coming over, and, and uh, you know, they want to talk to the person, you know. And I tell them, it's you know, and they're like, oh, they don't, you know, they don't have no, you know, no anger towards me or anything. It's like, no, no. this is all meant to be this way, and it's like it's part of the bigger picture. Yep, yep. It's a game we set up before we were born, and the amazing thing about it, it's not so much the game, but the fact that we forget it so well. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and of course well, we have why, to forget it. Play yeah. It. Yeah. Because um, I tell everyone, you know, scientists have proven we only use about 10% of our brains. And, you know, a message I was given was it's because if we had the knowledge that our minds could contain, it would literally drive us insane because we would not know yes. how to handle all of it. Yes. Yes, we just explode with the trying to handle it. We wouldn't be able to deal with it at all. Right. Yep. 
And as an energy, a spirit, we can have more knowledge. And that's why we can't have that knowledge of um, our existence before we came here, because our minds would not be able to handle that because of the vastness of not being stuck inside of a body, of being able to think and go somewhere. So we're not allowed to understand everything, so we learn our lessons, which then we have full knowledge when we transition back over. Um, right. And it's it's part of the learning process. Yes, exactly. Um, but yes, we couldn't have the same experience if we if we knew who we really are, what we really are. Um, it would be like you know playing a game of football and always knowing who who was going to win and by how many goals and who was going to score the goals and so on. You know, we'd spoil the game. <laughs> it just would be an absolutely different experience. Yeah, so no fun to, with that. Yeah. No, no fun with that. No, we need to be able to um, to forget, to absolutely forget. And, you know, I think when I talked about that experience, about looking in the mirror, that's what was really so shocking was that, you know, in in that instance, I remembered and everything that I, all my limiting beliefs were like thrown up in the air in that instance. And it, it was, you know, I... I understood that I knew nothing, that I, that I had been operating from a place of knowing nothing. And in truth, we are operating from a place of knowing nothing, which it's its own experience. It's, it would be different if we knew what we knew. Yeah, and, um, you know, I've, uh, I know so many psychics and all that have had near-death experiences and all of a sudden they're... Um, their abilities opened up. Yes. And, yes. Uh, you know, and of course, uh, they went ahead and they took classes to go ahead and open them up even more because they knew there was a higher a higher calling and all, and they knew that they had these abilities. Uh, you know, and some people, you know, I've had this conversation with them, uh, and I'm a natural is what they consider because I've known, you know, I've never had a near-death experience uh, and you know, I've always had these these abilities since I was a kid. But I've gone and I've visited the other side as a visitor, and the information there is amazing. And, I mean, I've seen the Hall of Records and talked to uh, one of my main guides, and they explained to me that as my life progresses, more information would make itself known. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when you know something happens in your life, and all of a sudden you get like a some people call it a download. A download, yes, exactly. It's like you get all this information coming in, and you're like, uh, "Okay, wait a minute, what's happening here?" And you, and you, it's like an aha moment. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, where did this come from? And all of a sudden, it's like, "Well, okay, that's the information that I needed to know." Exactly. Exactly. Yes, I think of it as as an upgrade, actually. But it's always quite. It's always sort of. It so takes me aback when I, I suddenly know things. I suddenly am aware of, of a much greater reality and an expansion again, yet again and again. It happens, you know, and um, and you know I, I'm very grateful for it. And um, at the same time, it certainly is always um, a little shocking when it happens. It's uh, uh, rearranging my awareness of reality and my belief systems yet again. 
and it's very exciting. I'm not complaining about it at all. It's very exciting. I mean, I I love the fact that my awareness um, is so capable of just constantly opening up more and more. Um, and I love the fact that I'm able to appreciate the fullness of life more and more. Yeah, it's it's truly amazing uh, when it happens, and and some people are like, well, I haven't had one of those. It's like, oh, you'll have them. Yeah, yeah. When the time is right, you'll have them. Yes, and especially with the way the world is changing at the moment, we're all opening up. I mean, we chose to be here on this planet at this time because of because it's such an exciting time. Because we're all um, our potential is huge, and that's true for everyone. We're all opening up. We're all able to become more and more aware and more and more receptive to the truth of who we really are and what's really going on and our amazing unlimited potential. Yes, yeah, I had one of those moments again tonight because um, I've had a, an online presence uh, for about the past year for, uh, for a church that I have. And, you know, the radio show has been part of that. And now we actually have the physical presence. And, um, you know, I've always had the calling to be a minister of sorts. Mm-hmm. And uh, being that I am ordained. And I've gone ahead and I've done some sermons or teachings uh, and uh, spoken in front of groups of people. And, you know, today I was talking to uh, some people and, you know, I'm standing there. And we had, you know, I had a handful of people there. And just had one of those aha type moments of, you know, of a flash of, Whoa, you know, just an instant download of information like, yep, you're where you're supposed to be. And all of a sudden, I saw like a whole bunch of people in front of me. Uh-huh. And, you know, just that knowing that, uh, yeah, you know, I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And getting that download of information where uh, it just gives you that confirmation. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, that knowing that. Um it's all exactly as it should be. That's really a, a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful um, sensation to have. For me, it's almost like a physical sensation. It's like, oh, everything is exactly the way it's meant to be. I'm doing exactly what I'm meant to do. I'm being here right now. This is all right. And and also knowing in those moments that there, it's not that there is any necessity to achieve anything or do anything or there's nothing to be proved there's no um, right or wrong to say because it's simply all unfolding and it's unfolding on a level far beyond what our rational brain can grasp it's not about doing or having it's simply about being present in the here and now and going with the flow as you yourself said yeah, and it's amazing when you know when that does happen for you. Just that that knowing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and that's a great deal of what I in my work, you know, I want to facilitate for other people. And um, you know, I, everybody's different, and I find you know, I'm called to present different people with different things. But the shamanic journey is often a very good start, and I I always do really enjoy leading them too because because the energies that are present helping us are so just they're just delightful they're just it's really wonderful to be able to um, to facilitate that that sense of presence. Yeah, 
I really enjoy that. Do you have specific energies that you work with on a regular basis? Um, no, none specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you you know, have, I work do with you, a couple of different. Mm-hmm. How about for you? Do you work with any energy specific ones? You know, I can't really. Um, I can't identify them on a sort of individual basis. I have um, a sense of being guided by. Um, you see, I have to call it a presence more, and it's not an individual thing. So it seems to, you know, it sort of fluctuates. Sometimes it feels more intense, and sometimes less so. But um, but it's a sense of, you know, what what really works for me is uh, the way it really works for me is that I, I I never feel alone. So I never I'm really overwhelmed by a task at hand because. I actually think of it as stepping backwards. I have a sense of, you know, if I just step backwards, then I'm in the presence of something that can take care of anything and everything that needs to be taken care of. So it's much more than just me operating um, in the work I do, you know. Yeah, uh, and I, I, you know, I have to say I feel about the same way. Uh, You know, I've had people ask me, it's like, well, what guides do you work with? I said, you know, I've contacted them before, and you know, they just said they really don't have a name. Yeah, exactly. They're just there, and um, so it's like you know, I just try to go ahead, and I was like, well, you know, they're just you know, a higher uh, entity and higher being, and they're just uh, you know, here to help me out. And you know, they said they don't need a name yes. to be able to help out. Right, and it's almost like on some level they're too vast to be named. They're too. Um omnipresence be named and when we name something we kind of narrow it down and they are beyond being narrowed down um, so yeah I, I often encourage people you know I think a lot of people when they first start out in doing in contacting other energies beyond the physical arena they they want to be able to see them in a, or to imagine them at least in a in a form, in a physical form, and um, to be able to identify them. You know, I have this Native American guide, or, you know, I I, uh, I have this Celtic druid who helps me. And, you know, I, if that's what people need, then by all means go ahead. But I do, I always point out that there is no need to do that, because in fact, you know, whatever energy is guiding us is it's really a part of all that we are, and it doesn't need to be limited into a specific form. Yeah, I just tell it, you know, um, just like when I do a reading, they're like, oh, is it a, you know, a certain guide helping you? I said, no, it's just, you know, just, I just know. Yeah, just know. It's just exactly. the information, you know, just tapping into the knowledge that's out there and, you know, just, just know what, what it is. Right. Yes, exactly. Yes, Um we um, we do tend to limit ourselves because we need to have something um, that you know specific, definable, something that the rational brain can grasp and put a shape to. But really, that's that's limiting. We we when we're open to the truth of the way that things are, then 
we don't need to name them or define them. No. And what do you feel about um, like reincarnation? Oh, I absolutely believe that we, um, we all of us have many, many lives. And I think it's, it can be a little misleading to call them past lives because they, you know, we, in this world we operate out of space and time. And we can't imagine existence without space and time. But in truth, um, from the perspective of all that we are, there is no such thing as space and time. And so when from that from that place, that whatever you want to call it, that, that all that we are-ness, if you like, um, when we decide to take physical form and to, um, to have a life that occurs within space and time, then we can shape those concepts. But it's all... It's all decided from a place that is beyond space and time, and therefore you can have many lives existing at the same time. And when you start getting in touch with that, all that you are, all that we are-ness, then um, you can start learning how to connect with the life that you've had in the future as well as the life, well, a life that you will have in the future, if you like, as well as lives that you have had in the past and lives that you're having perhaps concurrent with this particular one now. Does that make sense if I said that clearly? Yeah, uh, it's funny because uh, I was actually talking about that tonight of Eric Shirk's, one of the uh, sermons that I was doing, and I said, you know, we're stuck in linear. And, you know, our spirit, as, you know, we've already lived all these past lives, and we've already lived numerous lifetimes into the future. Exactly. It's just our consciousness has not reached there yet. Yes, yes. So, you know, oh. our consciousness yes. is done here. I said, but also our consciousness that we're aware of has also been in the future numerous times. Exactly, exactly. And we can um, we can tap into future past or concurrent lives for any particular wisdom that we need at a particular time. I mean, we don't... We we can access wisdom from those other lives, whether they are future or past. It doesn't matter. And the truth is that most of us are probably accessing that wisdom on some level whenever we need it, you know, learning things that we learned in other lives. You know, like some people might miraculously be incredibly good at playing a particular musical instrument. Well, it's probably because in some other life they've um, practiced it ad infinitum and they know it very well. So then we can bring that knowing into this present life and utilize it here and now. And um, in other words, we don't have to learn everything all over again. We can um, we can utilize lessons from other lives in this lesson here and now. And I know that um, a number of people have said to me when they're talking about reincarnation or past lives or whatever, they say, how come is it, it is that that um, everybody who remembers a past life has been a king or a queen or a priest or something. And my answer to that is, well, the past lives that we recall are either the ones that can teach us a lot or they're the ones that want some kind of resolution because we are disturbed by a sense of something unfinished or something badly done in another life. And so we're going to learn the lives where our mistakes have been pretty serious 
And those lives are most likely to be the lives when we were very influential, when we were leaders and kings or queens or emperors or whatever. And we did things that we now want to go back to and really look at to learn from and also put them to rest in some way because we can carry guilt from through lives, through many lives. And guilt is always an emotion that needs to be resolved. So, um, um, you know, we often need to go back to those lives where we were important people because they're the lives where we feel like we most messed up. And I know the first um, the first past life that I ever remembered was when about 30 years ago, and I was just learning, um, I was just learning to access other realms of existence and working with. Um, I think it was a guided visualization and a teacher I worked with quite a bit. And she um, so she led us through a past life regression. And the life I remembered was where I had been a Roman soldier. And I'd been, I know, Greek maybe. Anyway, I had been lovers. I'd been passionately in love, in love with one of the other soldiers. And then I had killed him in a jealous rage. And I had tremendous guilt about that. And it was really necessary for me to um, to go back and resolve that guilt. And I actually um, I ended up having a reading with a woman who helped me to reconnect with him. And, of course, as we were saying earlier, he said, oh, no problem. <laughs> it was fine to die. You know, it was the way it was meant to be. And that just helped me at that time in my personal evolution. It really helped me to understand more about life and death and about the concept of other lives and how we how we plan them and how we play them out. So, um how many um you know, have you always done the same thing in past lives or have they always been different? That you know of? Oh, um I've actually had some fascinating um experiences with other lives since then and um um one that I one that was very difficult to handle actually was where um, I was the son of an evil shaman in Siberia. Um, she was my mother. The shaman was my mother, and she was a very nasty piece of work. And um, one of the interesting things about that, remembering that particular lifetime, is that I think, you know. Most of us, well, I won't say most of us, but I certainly know that some of us have had lifetimes in the past where we have um, been less than perfect, where we've even done some really evil and unpleasant things. And I, I feel like we need to accept that all of us are, all of us are capable of that. I mean, there have been many of people in the world who have done evil things. I mean, Hitler's a good example, but he's only one of many. And so if we are going to fully acknowledge that we've all had past lives, we need to acknowledge that some of them probably haven't been very nice. And I know that for me, remembering that past life where the um, there was this evil shaman, I really wonder looking in that past life whether, you know, in my memory of it I was her son, but actually I really wonder whether I wasn't the evil shaman myself. Because I, um, I have, you know, I, I, I'm the concepts of good and bad are, they're concepts that exist within space and time. And the truth is, we live in a world of duality where, you know, good cannot exist without bad. 
And right cannot exist without wrong. And so within that duality, we are bound, all of us, to have had every kind of experience or at some point to choose to have every kind of experience. So, you know, we've, we've chosen to be, you know, rich and wealthy and happy in one particular lifetime. Then in the next lifetime, we may choose to be poor and, and unhappy or perhaps poor and happy. You know, in one lifetime, perhaps we life was very easy for us, and in another lifetime, we'll choose to have a life that's very difficult. And in the same way, if in one lifetime we choose to be a really good person, in another lifetime, we may choose to be a really evil person. So we may choose to be a victim, and we may choose to be a perpetrator. But if we choose one, we will always, at some point, choose also the other. So it's very important to um, approach these kinds of experiences and develop this kind of awareness without having judgments about, you know, you know, oh, that was terrible, I did an awful thing. I mean, you did, and it's done with, and you, because you did it then, you'll never do it again. That, that's the way I approach it, you know. The, the, the bad things that I've done in the past have taught me that I don't want to do them anymore. I want to choose a life of compassion. And that, that is what I am choosing, and that is what I am I'm choosing to perpetuate in the world at this, in this lifetime, at this point in time. Yeah, I've never um, experienced a past life of, you know, um, going through a uh, past life regression to see mm-hmm. what it was. But I've had people tell me uh, what my past lives were. Uh-huh. And so it's been uh, interesting. Was it was there a thread going through them that you can see you were learning a particular lesson? Uh, well, the one thing that I, you know I've been told by numerous people is that um, I'm a rarity, uh-huh. and that every single one of my past lives, I was a minister, prophet, preacher, uh, you know, uh-huh. uh, somewhere along that line, for every single one of my lifetimes, which is highly unusual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a thread that that went through, you know, going through all your lives. Yeah, and um, I think um, I think many of us do choose um, a particular, you know, to follow a particular purpose through various lifetimes, and um, you know, to see it unfold in many different ways that it can. Um, in um, one of the most interesting past life experiences I actually had was um, being on another planet. And um, there were actually two of them that I had. One was being uh, being like in an, in an atmosphere that was more like water than our atmosphere. And there was not the same sense of, um, you know, our bodies, physical bodies, we have very clear definition of this is where my my arm starts and this is where my fingertips end. In that particular lifetime, um, I was in a physical form that didn't have such solid edges. So there was the strangest sense of merging. It was really um, it was really extraordinary. And once again, it was um, quite a mind-expanding experience to realize that, you know, on this planet, we have very specific um very specific bodies that we really, um, you know, that the, the way our lives are are shaped 
it's a lot of it is about being a very specific individual in a specific body with specific edges. Um, it was very interesting to uh, to experience that differently. And then in another um, in another past life, I actually had an experience of being um, on another planet where there wasn't there weren't. It's hard to explain, but um, we were you know there wasn't a sense of individuality that there is here. It's more like there was a group consciousness, and we manifested in um, a physical form that was more like a plant. It was a growth that came out of the ground, and we were connected um, by a, a, a sort of a, a root system that connected us all. But there was, you know, we think of plants as not particularly sentient. And what was remarkable about this physical form is that we were completely sentient, sentient beings but there was no sense of separateness one from another. So it was only a partial process of differentiation, if you like. And I think what's extraordinary about being human is that we have such a, um, a specific sense of differentiation. But I've also, as I said, had other had memories of other lifetimes on this planet, and I've certainly um, had a variety of them. I... I at this point, I'm quite happy not to remember too many of them. <laughs> it's one of those overwhelmed things, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and that's why I said, you know, I'm glad I don't remember because, from what I've been told, um, throughout the other lifetimes, it's been a while since I've I've had uh, my past lifetime was quite a while back. I said, but I was actually around um, during Jesus's time, and I was crucified and tortured and. Oh God, yeah. And everything else because of um, what I was teaching people and helping them with. Right. Yeah. And I was like, oh, great. And it's like, well, what do I expect this time? And they're like, well, probably not the torture and all, but, um, <laughs> you know, you're going to have, you know. And they said, you know, it was to a point that they said on a couple of lifetimes that I actually had a lot of people following mm-hmm. and listening to me that, uh, you know, anytime I would go ahead and, and go someplace, I'd have crowds just forming around me. Yeah. And I said that's why I feel so comfortable talking in front of uh, crowds of people. Yeah. Well, I certainly hope that in this lifetime you're not going to get persecuted for it. But, um, it, you know, what I see going on in the world right now is this, um, the... Um, there's a, a polarization between those of us who want to move on to an, into a greater understanding and, and expanded awareness and those who really don't want to go there, who want to stay in the old um, survival mode, the fight-or-flight mode, and the fear-driven mode. And um, I don't know, you know, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I do feel very, very positive about the future of the world because I feel like there is a huge... There are a huge number of people who believe, as you and I do, that you know there's so much more to life, and I think that um, uh, you know we're going to we're moving into a future where it's going to be much more accepted, and where we're going to see beyond our old limits and start. I think perhaps the primary thing for me, the, the easiest, clearest way to see it and say it, is that we're going to start operating from a place of trust instead of a place of fear. 
Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel very positive about our future. And and (laughs) people are often uh, quite surprised, but, you know, I... It's it's my belief is what what's going to happen. Yeah, and and that's what I feel that uh, the reason why everyone's so afraid of you know the Armageddon, as mm-hmm. uh, so many people want to put it, is because it's coming from religious leaders who use fear to control the masses. Yeah, and yeah. they're afraid of when we have the consciousness of, of awareness. Mm-hmm. Then we'll realize uh, that for so long that you know the fear was there to control, and right. that there were lots of lies and misinformation. Yeah. And that's why the Armageddon will take place because uh, you know they will um, you know lose those masses. Yes, the the you know the concept of power has always been that it's power over another, but we're coming to a place where we understand the concept of personal power, and we are individually stepping into our personal power. And that is tremendously life-changing. And once you've been in a place of personal power, you know the truth of the meaning of the word compassion, and you don't want to wield power over other people because you're not, you don't need to do that anymore. You're not operating out of a, a place of lack of power anymore. It's that that embracing our personal power, embracing the truth of who we are as these um, magnificent beings, if you like, that um, we start taking responsibility for ourselves and choosing compassion. And that's just delightful to me. Um, Yeah. That will be, uh, it's going to be a a wonderful world when that happens. And unfortunately, it's not everyone is going to happen at, uh, you know, all at once. But it's going to be so many people uh, shifting and changing. Yep. And we're seeing it more and more. You know, we're seeing the yep. religious conflicts where, you know, one religion is attacking the other one and, um, you know, and putting each other down. And so many people are leaving yep. and and going from one religion to another in order to try to find the truth. Mm. And uh, then all of a sudden, you know, once, you know, you hear, you know, and I hear it all the time with talking to people about the metaphysical community. And they're like, yeah, I tried being a Christian, I tried being this one, and I tried being that one, and then I, I you know, I found, you know, um, going into the metaphysics and finding my own way. Yes, exactly. And yeah, people, you know, that's what so many people are going to be doing. Yes, and it's it's very necessary for people to to find that wisdom and that sense of power and that sense of self that comes from within. It has to come from within. It can't be imposed from without. Um, you know, I always say religion is institutionalized spirituality, and it inevitably can't work because spirituality, any sense of spirit, any expanded awareness has to be a very, very personal thing. You can't, um, you can't give it to somebody else. You can't make somebody else feel it. So um, I really, yes, I really feel like... Um, the awakening, if you like, the awakening to the truth of who we are, is a personal thing. It has to happen on a personal level. Yep, and it's happening um, so much right now, and it's going to continue really quickly. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, and that's why. Well, you know, what you've seen too with the type of work you do. I'm sure is there's so many um, so many beliefs out there. 
and yeah. uh, and I'm and I'm noticing. I'm not sure if you've noticed it or not, but um, I've noticed so many in the community who are metaphysical ministers, if you want to say, and but they're all geared towards. Uh, down here in Florida, I've noticed so many are geared towards Christianity. Mm. And they say they're a Christian uh, metaphys- uh, metaphysical minister. Mm. Uh, and some people are still being turned off by that. They're like, mm, no, it's still you know, going one point of view. It's like, you know, they're looking for something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Something bigger, exactly. And, you know, it has to be the truth of who we really are cannot be encompassed by the rational brain. So it can't... Um, you know, it, a lot of people right there, they're trying, they want something they can get with a rational brain. But, you know, real truth with a capital T cannot be grasped on that level. So then you have to be willing to step into another, well, to peel off another layer maybe to um, to actually really feel it. I mean, it's, it's for many people it's... Uh, it's, a sen- it's a sensation, the sensation of truth. Um, certainly for me, it's almost a physical thing that I, I I am aware of something being truthful or being a lie, and both of them I can feel different sensations. And the one the one calls me and calls to me and encourages me, and the other it's kind of a nasty feeling and makes me want to get away from it. Um, and that's what many people call intuition. It's just that sense of rightness and wrongness that's a totally personal and and internal thing it can't be imposed from no. outside yeah and um you know I, I was asked tonight they're like well you know what religious faith are you and i tell them i said well i'm a metaphysical minister and they're like okay what does that mean i said i said i'm eclectic eclectic yes I go with what resonates with me, and I know, and it's it's coming from a higher source, a higher power, which mm-hmm. is which is truth. I said, and uh, that's what I that's what I go with, mm-hmm. and and that's just me, mm-hmm. and um, and and that's what resonates. Yep. Yep. Well, I I really agree, and that word resonates is a good word because that takes us back to the concept of energy flows that I was talking about earlier. Because when we have set ourselves on a particular path with a particular kind of energy flow, you know, the path of truth or the path of compassion, you might call it, whatever. Um, anyway, that that has a particular vibration. And um, if something tries to enter into that space that is at a different vibration, that's actually the sense we have, the sense of something something doesn't match up here. This... this uh, this is this can't all flow together. There's some kind of wrong frequency. That's actually what is occurring, that we're experiencing, you know, uh, um, an energy flow that doesn't mesh with the energy flow we've chosen to partake in, if you like. So, um, how can everyone, anyone, get a hold of you for uh, private one-on-one coaching and and uh, shamanic work? Um. I, my website is www.mikayahart.org. You have to remember the .org. It's my name, mikayahart.org. Um, I chose org because it sounded more organic and less common. <laughs> but um, 
you can get to you can contact me through my website. And um, I travel a great deal. I'm probably going to be in Australia. You know, right now I'm in Northern California, but I'm probably going to be in Australia for most of the winter. Um, so, you know, if you want to um, be present at a shamanic journey, you have to kind of catch me where I'm going to be. Um, but, you know, I, I try to post my um, um, post where I'm going to be in advance and certainly... Um, advertise when I'm doing a shamanic journey in a particular area well in advance so people can you know, be there. Um, so anyway, you can find pretty much everything about my events and my whereabouts and a great deal more about who I am and the work I do on my website. And then um, I, have, I have three books available, I think, right now. Um, one is with the Sun in My Eyes, which is the story of Shah Sundust, um, the shamanic practitioner and psychic reader from Seattle. And that book is really a very good introduction to shamanic work. Um, it's the story of her life and how she developed her abilities and what she actually sees when she does shamanic work. And I would say most of the work she does that most of the healing work she does is probably in what we would call the astral realm, which is the um, the you know because we live in a world of duality, everything that's physical has to have a counterpart in the astral realm, and so those two counterparts work together. And um, Shar and other healers are able to work with the with the part in the astral realm and thereby affect the counterpart in the physical realm. And some, there are just some diseases, some problems that um, aren't addressed so easily in the physical realm, even though they affect that realm. So anyway, that book is really about, um, it's about her work, but it really does explain in detail how, um, how it, you know the kind of things that a psychic reader and a psychic worker sees, and and how that healing can occur. Um, and then my second book was um, my sweet wild dance, and that is the story of my own personal awakening, or one another way I often put it is it's the story of my personal journey from anger to joy, and. Um, my awakening to the vastness of being, if you like, and that book that book won a won a Golden Crown Literary Award, and it was also described as um, soul refreshment of the highest order in Edge magazine. Um, and then my most recent book is um, the Ultimate Guide to Orgasm for Women, and that really is about looking at the concept of orgasm and being orgasmic in um, terms of an energy flow energy flows. And that book was composed from a series of interviews, so it represents a lot of different different voices. And I'm hoping that my next book will be um, it'll be called Life, Lies, and Sex: A Manual for Living, and it's really um, about a lot of the stuff we've been talking about this evening. But you can find out about all those books on my website, www.mikayahart.org. Well, good. It's, and that's where everyone can find out about your books and all, too, and, and ordering them? Yes. yes, yes. 
I mean, probably the easiest thing is to order my books from Amazon um, because I'm not really uh, uh, wonderful with my website, and so the links on there might not work to buy the book. You're probably better to go to Amazon. But you can read all about them on my website, or you can read about them on Amazon, actually. So by all means, buy them from Amazon. And ideally, it'd be great to buy them from your local bookstore, but I know getting to your local bookstore is not always easy. Sometimes our local bookstores are not so local these days. Yeah, the same thing with ours, and we have so many of them closing up, and then you know you end up with smaller ones, and they don't carry a big selection anymore. Right, right. And and many of them do sell books online too. So, yeah. The internet is an incredible thing, which has changed the world in wonderful ways. But it, it, sometimes it feels like it's it's expanding so fast. I don't even know how to work with it. <laughs> Sometimes it's nice yeah. to go into a bookstore and order a book. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, and, and uh, I'm just uh, learning about ebooks. Mm. So that's a whole new yep. concept there. And um, yes. So, but I still like the old, you know, I still like the old-fashioned, you know, books where you get to feel them and and read them and, right. and move the pages and. Yep. Yes, it's quite a different thing when you read it, when you can't turn the page. Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, our lives are changing. The world is changing very fast. It's very exciting, sometimes quite alarming, but um, but exciting, certainly. Yes, definitely uh, looking forward to the changes that are taking place. Yes, yes. Yes, we all of us have to be willing to to change radically and rapidly because that's what's occurring around us. So it's going to be a great change coming for 2012? Oh, don't you think so? I don't know if it's actually going to manifest all in 2012, but I feel like it's already happened so much. It's already happening, that change. And, um, in the, I think in the next five to ten years, we're going to see massive changes, deep changes in the way that we think, you know, on a very deep level. And those will manifest in our, you know, in the physical world in different ways. But yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I'd have to say the same thing. You know, the exchange has already been happening, but I think for next year, um, so many more people are going to be um, aware of the exchanges that are taking place. And yeah. you know, it'll it'll be almost like the um, the the floodgates are opening up for it. Yes. So where the yes. you know the transition exchanges are going to be aware. So by uh, when everyone's saying about the doomsday and all that, that's like that's when everything's going to be aware of it, and uh, from there on, everything's gonna, just going to, you know, expand quickly. Yeah, yeah, yes, and I think we're going to. Um, one of the things we is going to start happening is we're going to start directly interacting with beings who are not in physical form, um, and that's that's going to be very exciting. Have you heard of orbs and people seeing photos with getting photos with orbs in them? Yes. Yes. So I and I think that's the beginning of us being able to see in to see perhaps in another dimension where there are a lot of other beings who who are interested in interacting with us and helping us and and getting to know us and and um, you know yeah. that kind of thing really I think that's delightful. I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting to know other kinds of beings. Yeah, it's uh, definitely interesting because, you know, we have the orbs 
and we'll start seeing more of um, pure energy forms where it looks like a mist. Yes. And so we'll be able to interact with them. And I actually have a picture, um, you know, of a mist. It's like a mist, but it's, uh, you know, and I've had people say, well, maybe that's cigarette smoke. And it's like, no, because mm-hmm. you, it was white, and you cannot see through it in certain parts. Right. And there was nothing else there. And it actually starts um, across a, a friend of mine that was, you know, with me, starts from, um, you know, their waist area, comes across mine, and then comes up and looks down at me. Uh, right. And um, and it was interesting. It's a, a real quick story. Was A friend of mine was remodeling a home, and it was after my mom passed away. And he took pictures. Oh, i got to take a picture of you in here. I said, all right. And months had gone by. Never thought about the picture. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, he's taking pictures of everyone who goes in there. And one day I said, well, you know, I said, I, I'm done with the morning. You know, I, I'm ready to go ahead and move forward. And I said, well, you know, I'd like to see what my mom looks like in her new form. Mm-hmm. And the following day the friend calls up. He said, you know, it's been bugging me, and I've been wanting to send you a picture and show it to you. He said, but I woke up this morning, and I have to see you today. I'm like, why? What about this picture? Is I can't explain it because I have to show it to you. And it's bugging me that I give it to you today. So that's when all of a sudden he came by and showed me that picture. And it's just just seeing it. Um, you know, and everyone's like, yeah, that's definitely, you know, a life form that's there. And we managed to capture it on film, you know, real clearly. Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking forward to when we get to interact with them and, and see them you know, walking past us and be like, oh, you know, hello. Yes, exactly, yeah. Yes, I mean, we, it, it's going to be a very different kind of world and um, a much more um, a, a, a much more interactive one, if you like. I mean, I think in in our human lives, very often, you know, we go through life, we don't, you know, we might talk to somebody else and, you know, maybe even sit at the same table and eat food with somebody else or sit beside somebody on a bus or something, but there's not very much real, genuine interaction. And um, that's something we're really going to see changing. There's going to be real, um, very real connections and a real kind of communication that um, goes far deeper than just, you know, hi, how are you? But uh, a communication that is... is about revealing the truth rather than what happens for many of us at the moment is that, you know, we, we're actually, um, you know, we're trying to avoid the truth. And sometimes we're just trying to avoid it because because life is um, already complicated enough or because we feel insecure or whatever. But um, we need to all start stepping into our the, the truth of who we are and really embracing all of that. Uh, and that's definitely going to be happening, uh, you know, from this point forward. So many people are going to be embracing that truth and looking for the answers, and um, they're going to be finding people like yourself to uh, to help them understand. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, it certainly is my um, my desire and intention to help people um, with uh, what you might call waking up the process of waking up, the process of awakening. I mean, even though in some ways I myself feel like 
I'm only going through this process myself. Not that I feel like I'm an awakened person. That's not kind of what it's like. It's it's um, just a sense of like of, of waking up gradually and seeing more and more and more gradually opening up, gradually expanding. Yeah, it's rather interesting, and uh, you know, people come to you for for insight and guidance, and it's like, oh, well, you know, I don't have all the answers. I'm still like you. I'm yeah. still on this journey. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and the answers that you know, I, someone once said to me, it's impossible to ask a question that you don't already know the answer to. And when I thought about that, I realized that that really is the truth because we all have. As individuals, we have our own answers, and when I'm um, when I'm working with somebody, I'm not giving them an answer. They have the answer already within themselves. What I'm helping them to do is to uncover that answer that's been buried somewhere deep, you know, deep in I don't know in the vastness of being, if you like. But but helping every individual to cover the, uncover their own individual answer. That's my or to goal. give them. Or they give them that um, aha moment where it's like, okay, that's the confirmation. I already knew that. Yes, yes, exactly. I read that sense of I already knew that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting when you know you do a reading for someone and all of a sudden they, they you know, their their face just glows and it's like, mm, but I struck a chord. They're like, oh yeah, that's confirmation. I I knew this, but you know, there's no way you could have known, and you gave me that, uh, you know, that spark. Mm. Right. Right. Yeah, sometimes um, I, I, you know, often when I help people, I feel like it's purely accidental that I'm managing to help them right now. It's like not because I'm an incredibly wise person. It's just because I happen to be in the right place at the right time to be able to give this person um, or to facilitate this person opening up to something. And it feels like such an honor to be able to do that for people. It's, you know, I feel like it's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. It brings me enormous joy. But it certainly is something that I experience more as flowing through me than, um, you know, I facilitate it flow through me rather than it's not something that's really coming from me. It's coming from the universe through me, if you like. And that's a wonderful thing. That's an honor. Yes. Yeah, it definitely is an honor to have that uh, flowing through you. Yep. 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 So now you've been on this journey now for, well, like we all have all our lives, but um, when did you first realize um, and start learning about the bigger picture? Um, you know, it was in the 90s that I, I had been doing some work around, you know, psychic training and stuff like that, shamanic work. For a while, but it wasn't until the 90s that I really, really began to feel, you know, this has to be my path. This, this is what matters to me. And then it was actually in the year 2000 when I um, had the experience I described, where I experienced, I had this amazing experience of peace when I was driving across the mountains. And that it was at that point that I knew that I, well, over the next few weeks after. I was integrated that experience into my, into my well, my ra- was able to grasp it with my rational brain, if you like. It was um, 
it was then that I really knew that I was going to dedicate my life to this. That I couldn't pretend to continue in the same old way. Um, you know, uh, so I, that's when I decided, well, the following months after that, that I, I needed to sell up my, um, to sell my property and just take off traveling and, and that really is what I do. And I, I believe in many ways, you know, I, I love, as I said, I love being able to help people, but I actually believe that, that my greatest gift to the world is choosing to be in a place of joy myself, because when I am in that place, it is infectious, and other people, other people are infected by it. Um, and that's really, that's really what is most changing the world in the ways that um, I want to see the world changed. So, you know, I, I so, have my... Uh, so that's what you've been doing now, is uh, traveling around the world helping people? Yes. I um, I pretty much travel all the time. I, there are certain places I go at certain times of the year, like um, I spend most of the Northern Hemisphere winter in Australia because it's the Southern Hemisphere summer, and it's lovely to live in perpetual summer. But um, but yes, I I um, I teach wherever I go. You know, I'll find sources where you know places where they want to host a shamanic journey or so on, and then I I'll you know put it out that I want to do this, and people just turn up. You know, who is meant to be doing it turns up and um and then I get known places and like I'm fairly well known in San Francisco now so when I go there there's I have a little following of people who come to my journeys and and a few people who I coach individually but I I let it you know I I, I let it happen organically I'm not um I don't try to force it and, and that I found is very important you know it was a little while there when I first started doing this work where I really felt like I, you know, it was really important for me to to be doing this work. And it was frustrating that I wasn't able to do more. And and I've come much more to a place of understanding that it, it happens when it's meant to happen and I need to let it happen rather than trying to force it. And that my my primary value in the world is not specifically as a teacher. It's more about being who I am. And I think that's true for everyone. You know, we tend to really want to prove that we, um, you know, we've got a purpose in life and we really want to feel like we're following our purpose. And really, in the end, our value is just being absolutely who we are at this point in time, in this life, in this body, in this world. Yeah, and... uh... You know, again, you know, you just gave me another one of those, hmm, okay, confirmations and all, because, um, you know, I, I was talking tonight to the congregation, and we were talking about past lives and all, and um, I said, you know, I said, it would be nice, I said, it's kind of interesting what some people are suggesting, that one of the main people I was in a past life, and I said, but you know, I said, it's not important about that, what's more important is um, is who I am now in its present form. 
and that's what's um, you know what's more most important mm. on um, this journey. Yeah, Michael, I think we're just going to get off, cut off. Shall I call you back? Can I call you back on this same number? Yes. Okay, let me just do that because I just heard something that's going to cut me off. Okay, call you right okay. back. Okay. Okay. All right, we'll go ahead and we'll be right back in just a moment. Okay, we're back. Hi, sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. But you were just saying that um, you um, people, yes, people tend to get fixated on you know, I I did this and you know in another life and I did that and yeah, it's not, it's getting fixated on those those uh, you know those wonderful things I did and in the past being yeah you know. And that's what's important is is the here and now of who I am right now at this point in time. Exactly. In this exact moment now, how am I able to act with absolute compassion for the highest good of all? Because there's nothing we can do about our past lives, nothing we can mm -hmm. do about yesterday, but there is something we can do about tomorrow. Right, exactly. I mean, that's the amazing thing about, about time, that we can choose something new in every moment. We, you know, however awful the past has been, we can do something absolutely different right now. That's really and, an incredible thing. Yeah, and, you know, it's up to us if we want to stay um, stuck. Mm -hmm. Then we can just keep on doing the same things over and over again. Yep. Or we can change our thinking and uh, change tomorrow. Right, right. And it takes courage to be willing to make changes. I mean, sometimes even when our lives are not, um, you know, are perhaps quite unpleasant, the fact that it's familiar can make it feel safe. And so we do tend to get stuck in in um, trying to avoid change. I mean, of course, in the end, we can't avoid change. But people in, in this society, people really do... Um, they, change makes them nervous and they want to try and maintain a status quo and that is tremendously limiting because really our futures can be they can be the best that we can imagine making them but we have to commit to be willing to to do that if we you know if we're ready to go there that's great and if we want to stay stuck that's just the way it is yep and uh i for one i don't like being stuck so nope. um and you know, and I tell people once you go ahead and realize what is um, basically making you be stuck, mm -hmm. you know what's stopping you, what's holding you back, and once you go ahead and uh, realize that and let go of it, mm -hmm. then you're going to be full forward. You're, you know, your life, you know, new opportunities are going to happen quickly, new doors are going to open for you, yeah. and uh, you know, your life is all of a sudden going to take a whole new turn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very sad to see how many 
people are stuck in habitual ways of doing things and just um, it's so habitual they don't even really think of doing anything different and then even if they do think of doing something different they you know it's it's frightening and they don't even know where to start and you just have to have the courage to just start taking first of all really to make an absolute commitment to it in your own mind in your own being you have to absolutely commit to be willing to make a change and then um, opportunities will start to present themselves and then your job is to um, you know to, to take charge and go with the opportunities that present themselves and it it really isn't so hard, but uh, making those first, making that first break with the old habits—that's really the hardest thing. I tell people it's like a, a ship, one of those big, huge cargo ships that's, you know, just going on its way, and it takes it half a mile to stop and another half a mile to turn around. And that's the way it is often with change—that you you have to slow down that ship and turn it around before you can actually be aware of the change happening. And it's that period of time when the ship is slowing down, turning around, when people get discouraged. And then they get caught up in the pattern of um, focusing on what they don't have instead of focusing on what they are intending to have. Yeah, instead of just going with the flow and letting the change take its course. Right, right. They start. Because what... What people don't understand is what they're focusing on is what they're putting putting their energy into, and putting their what they put energy into is what they will um, experience. So if they put their energy into, um, you know, well if they're if they're frightened of getting sick, then they're they're trying to avoid getting sick, and then they're really focusing on the fact that perhaps they may get sick, and won't it be awful if they get sick? Then they get sick, and what really needs to happen is that they need to focus on how delightful it is to be well. And even if they don't feel well in this moment, they can remember how the experience of feeling well in the past, and then they can imagine it in the future. And being able to imagine how delightful it will be to feel a particular way inevitably means that you are going to have the experience of feeling that way. And, or, or having that thing, whatever it is that makes you feel that way that you want to feel. And uh, people get stuck in the experience focusing on the on the not feeling, the not feeling that way. And then they get angry, and then they're, the, the angrier they get, the more they focus on it. And so they can't escape from it. No, they can try all they want to, but uh, there's no escaping. No. No, there's no escaping. And, you know, in the end, we... we um, we all are going to experience whatever we're going to experience, and sometimes um, I think part of being human is experiencing difficult things because if you don't have those difficult experiences, then you don't know that you really want to have those good experiences. You don't know what you really what you really want. You have to play around to discover what it is you want and then implement the choice. So, uh, what is, is your next um, adventure, other than uh, going to the southern hemisphere now for their summer? Um, well, I, I'm, I've actually got a couple more books on the go. Um, one is um, 
a book on my travels, which I think I'll produce as an e-book probably. Um, and that that's pretty much written. I wrote it a while ago, and I've been um, it's been sitting on my computer waiting for me to do something with it. And I think it might be time to do that. Um, and then one is this book, um, which will be called Life, Lies, and Sex: A Manual for Living. Originally, it was going to be called The Art of Being Human, um, but somebody else has utilized the phrase The Art of Being Human, and they mean a kind of different thing from what I do, so so I think I probably won't use it. Um, and originally, I also wasn't sure whether I would um, write about sex at all, but I do actually feel that it's very, very useful to see sex as a flow of energy. It's the easiest way for us to understand flows of energy. Yep. So and it'll definitely get people's attention, too. It'll get people's attention. And also, I think there are an incredible number of lies that we're told about sex, and I really want to address some of those. And, um, you know, there are a lot of lies we talk about life, too, like um, that we'll go to hell if we don't, um, <laughs> if we aren't good people, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. So, um, so yeah, I mean, part of what I want to do in that book is is to expose what I really see as some of the most common lies, um, but also just to help people to learn how to be more fully present in life and more um, more aware of the vastness of being. So, um, so that's one book, and then I have um, in my I actually have two other books I'm working on. And one is a book about a commune I lived in in the um I lived on in Britain in the seventies. And that was a very interesting experience because we shared money in that commune and um it was really um it really illustrates a completely different way of life. You know, our our ability to share money freely, even though some people earn far less than others. And just, we didn't have that consumerist um, way of being that is so common in the world these days. We didn't feel like we needed lots of things. And I think in many ways it's because we, we're really living in a very loving way. And we we I think everyone in that commune felt really loved and really validated. And that was fulfilling for us. We We didn't need to go out and buy half a dozen little electronic devices in order to feel fulfilled. Um, so I think that will be a useful book just in terms of um, painting a picture of um, a different kind of society, a different way of living. Um, you know, I do think our consumerist society encourages shallow thinking and shallow way of being. And... Um, you know, it has its value in experiencing that, but the kind of world I want to live in is a world where people live um, on a much deeper level and communicate on a much deeper level. That world is arriving. Yes, yes, it's on its way. It's very exciting. Definitely looking forward to it. Yes, yes. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, reading your books as well. I'm sure they're going to be uh, very informative to everybody. Thank you. Yeah. And your website again is? www.mikayahart.org. 
That's M-I-K-A-Y-A-H-E-A-R-T dot org. Yes, you got it. Yes. Okay. Well, it's been a wonderful pleasure having you on the show with me tonight. Well, thank you so much, Michael. It's really delightful to be able to talk with you. And hopefully we'll be able to uh, get you back on and we can uh, do some more talking about the changes that are taking place and mm. and how to uh, give people the insight on uh, what they can do to, to go ahead and uh, help themselves through the change. Yes, yes. Yes, I think it's very important to talk about that. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you have yourselves a you have yourself a wonderful um, journey down okay. to the southern hemisphere and have a wonderful summer down there. We'll try to stay warm up here. <laughs> yes, too. You'll be okay in Florida. Uh, it it gets cold down here sometimes. Uh, I think the coldest I've seen in the Tampa area was like 19 degrees. Oh, that's pretty cold. Yeah, pretty and cold. Um, I I went out one year, well, two years ago actually. It went down to the low 20s, mm-hmm. and I actually put a Dixie cup outside with a toothpick in it, and the following morning woke up and it was frozen solid. Wow. So I made, uh, it was in the news, I, I sent the picture and I called it the uh, Florida Popsicle. <laughs> Florida Popsicle. And, uh, you know, went out there just to see just how cold it was, and, uh, you know, your bird bath freezes, you got to leave your, you know, the uh, hose running and... You know, your water running because the pipes will freeze. So it does get kind of cold here once in a while. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you um, don't have a freezing winter this time around. I hope not. But uh, you have yourself a wonderful summer there. Hopefully it won't be too hot and uh, and too bad down there for you. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Okay. Thanks a lot, Michael. You have a great evening. You do the same, dear. Have a good night. Okay. Good night. Uh, don't forget, everyone, visit uh, Micaiah over at her website, Micaiah Hart, that's M-I-K-A-Y-A-H-E-A-R-T dot org. And uh, check her out, find out where she's going to be at. She travels all over the place, wonderful person. As you can tell, we spent the last two hours uh, talking about energy work and uh, the changes that are taking place. And don't forget, uh, we have some changes taking place here. We're going to have an assistant that's going to be helping out with the shows. That's why um, you know, I ended up the interview a few minutes early so I can let you all know. We will be enforcing one question only. So when you call in, in order to keep the flow of energy going and be able to get so many people um, on the air to get a free reading to get some insight into what they need, uh, we're going to enforce the one question per person. And, of course, it leads to one question, one follow-up of that same question to help clarify things. Um, And it's just going to be so it's fair to everybody. Not only that, but we will give you an option. And I will set it up on the website to where if you want to ask two questions, say, okay, i got two things I need to know about, two different things, then for like a $5 donation, you can ask two questions. $10 donation, you can ask three questions. And, of course, you have to pay ahead of time. None of, oh, I'll get you. No. You go ahead and pay. And you put in your you know, your area code and the number you're calling from. So when I see you on there, it's like, thank you for your two questions. Thank you for your three-question donation. And then you can go ahead and ask them. But it's going to be fair to keep the flow going. Um, and also to help raise money so uh, we can continue to build the church, continue to get um, 
uh, you know, the shows here going, and it's just going to um, to keep everything going a lot smoother that way. So people will be like, oh, well, I got all these questions, but I don't have the money. I'm sorry. Tune in. You know, call in tomorrow night. Call in earlier. Get on. Get your one question in. You'll have to just, you know, wait and uh, keep calling in every night. But that's going to be the only fair way to do it because uh, so many people are taking 15, 20, 25 minutes by, oh, one more question, one more question, one more question. And I've been a really nice guy about it, uh, but that's why now I'm getting an assistant, and they're going to be helping. And they're going to be like, oops, sorry, one question, time's up, got to go, next caller, please. And, um, you know, we're just going to have to start going ahead and doing it because we are getting busier. We are having so many people that are waiting in the queue for an hour and a half, um, you know, and, you know, or the full two hours and not being able to go ahead and um, and get on the air to ask, uh, to ask you know, a question. And, uh, the, you know, so some people... Uh, take advantage of it and want a full reading and manage to go ahead and get in and I've been a real soft so but uh, check back uh, check out the website bethelightradio.com help support the church as well at bethelightchapel.com lots of great changes in store lots of wonderful guests so until tomorrow night everybody have fun, be good and know that you are loved because if you have not heard it today you are loved because God loves you, and so do I. Have a good night, everyone. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.